0: Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about the st- uh, story of Vritrasura. This is an important story. It's in the original Vedas, original Veda, a discussion of Vritrasura, who became a troublesome force in the universe. There are three modes of material nature that rule the material world. And due to their combinations and permutations, there are various bodies and atmospheres created in the world. Krishna describes seventh chapter Bhagavad Gita. Thank you. no, I'll keep it. No, take it. Thank you. And so he describes, does Krishna, that people are bewildered by these modes and they think that actually there's uh, I have a connection to the material world. However, the Veda says Asango purushaha. surprise, you don't have anything to do with the material world. There's nothing for you to see here, nothing for you to drink here that will satisfy you. There's nothing at all here that's of ultimate value to the spiritual soul because the matter of which this material world is made is inferior. It's grosser than we are, and therefore we can't ultimately appreciate it. It causes an incongruent situation uh, for the spiritual self. However, we may have found ourselves, as I think is the case, ensconced in matter. Please look up at the word ensconced. It means that, I think, that we're surrounded by it. Did you ever notice that? Surrounded? Only Srivas Pandit Prabhu noticed it. <laughs> okay. And Radhakripa Prabhu. Two people noticed that we're ensconced by matter. Rosheshwarilila. It's important to notice that we're ensconced in matter, it's one of the first ways in which one starts to develop a sense for trying to reach higher ground in consciousness. And Srila Prabhupada describes how when we feel frustration, it's because of the dichotomy between us and the material nature, us meaning the spiritual soul. And this is given very clear definition in the Bhagavad Gita, which is an important book to study to understand the groundwork for spiritual practice. So in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, And that is that actual learning and a learned person is one who can objectify matter and notice that, I'm different from it. And that especially goes for the material body because it's the thing that we're riding around in right now. And Krishna uses helpful vocabulary, phraseology in this verse where he says that he refers to the body as a kshetra or a field of activity. And if you can imagine being uh, in an agrarian situation and you have a field in which you make your with which you make your livelihood, and you spend your day in the field, then you can see that uh, you're not the field. It's just something that you're using for the time being. And the body is a similar instrument, is similarly an instrument. And one who can see the difference between themselves and the body, I was told by my editor it's okay to use the Neutral pronoun these days. I was very surprised. But he actually insisted upon it. So I'm starting to use it. So don't mind. So I did mention. So <laughs> the person uh, notices that they are not their body. I wouldn't normally. Anyway, forget it. That they're not their body and, and sees that I'm something different from matter. One can become aware that. One is consciousness and not matter. And one may do that systematically by noticing that I say my hand as an example. I don't say I hand. And we may notice also that I'm not my mind either. The mind is a reservoir of various thoughts and ideas. And in the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, when Arjuna asks Krishna, what are the symptoms of somebody who's... Entering into self-realization, uh, Krishna says, "Prajahati yadakaman sarvan parta manogatan atmaneva stita So Krishna calls a person who is entering into self-realization "stita." They're situated. It's cognate in English with "stand." You have a place to stand, or you have an understanding. "Stita pragnastadocite" means that the person has a clear understanding of this, a particular situation, or a phenomena, which is as follows. Prajahatiya Kaman. First of all, he's, they has, have developed the wherewithal to, with, to, to not chase after the various offerings of the mind. So what Krishna is saying is the mind produces various desires or suggestions for, for enjoyment. Have you ever noticed that like you're you're chanting your japa and then the mind says you know why don't you go on Amazon prime and prime and order the following because <laughs> you'd need that for your for good japa and so forth and the mind constantly is doing that and offering various suggestions based on our previous association if we've had association with people who really like organic food then we'll start liking it if we associate with people who like um, I won't go into details, but you get the idea there's various uh, people in the world ha- who have various lifestyles. And by association, Krishna says in the, in the 13th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Purusha prakriti stohi bhunkte prakriti jan gunan gunasangosya yoni janmasu. We pick things up. In fact, people, as in fact, the soul in a material body is vulnerable. It's picking up just about anything. So much so that you may have noticed people who have an opinion about something and then you see them later and then they change their opinion. It's it's 180 degrees opposite. And you say, hey, wait a minute. What happened to you? And there's a phenomenon nowadays uh where it's been labeled a radicalization. Some people are per- perfectly reasonable. And then they uh, get association with those who are perhaps unreasonable or fanatical, and then they become fanatical. So Krishna says this is by, because of sangha or association. We pick up these types of ideas. And that will produce a, a sequence of various desires to fulfill one's particular ideal in life. And the mind's uh, like a conveyor belt, a little factory. It's creating all these little desires and they come out in boxes like Amazon Prime. You know, it's like on the conveyor belt, this, that, this, that. So, Krishna says a person who is stita, situated solidly in self realization, has a, a sense of happiness from within, from knowing that I'm consciousness. Atmanyeva mana tushta. Tushta means satisfaction. And what is the, where does the satisfaction come from? It comes from atma. Atmanyeva mana the person knows that I'm a soul, I'm conscious being, and there's actual pleasure in just being and being aware. And then step by step, knowing my relationship with my source, who's the Supreme Atma. And in this realm of consciousness, one feels tushta, or satisfaction, so much so that they are not... Enticed by the various offerings of the mind and can stand back and say yes That's what the mind does. It's a factory. It just runs, but I'm not attached to it So this is one of the first signs of self-realization ensconce For 10 points
1: Ensconce is a verb from the 1580s to cover with a fort from n make or put in and Esconce, um, small fortification shelter.
0: A little fortification. We get in a little, we try to take shelter of matter. So, in the the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita are telling us that's not a very good fort. It's not a place where you're going to find protection. In fact, Sukadeva Goswami makes this clear in the beginning of his teachings to Preachet Maharaj when he, he says that the institutions and the entities we take full shelter of, we become ensconced in, in this material world are fallible, he calls them fallible soldiers, that we th- may think that they're protecting us, but th- they'll fail us in the end. So, the, uh, a wise person then has a different set of values. And in the story, in the Srimad Bhagavatam of a a devotee, or actually a king, he was a king, and there are many stories of kings in the Srimad Bhagavatam. One of the reasons our acharyas, or the prominent teachers of bhakti from antiquity and up to the present, have said that people in general follow the leader. I was uh, fascinated by... Many of the ant hives. Is it a hive for ants or only for bees? Is it an anthill? Ant colony. How civilized is that? I always had great respect for ants, and they have colonies like a gated community. <laughs> there were lots of ants for me to observe in the Italy. I was watching those ants. and Now I forgot my point. What was I going to say? Yeah, the follow the leader. Thank you, Prabhu. So, follow the leader. I read about I read up on ants while I was watching them, and the queen doesn't work that much. She just hangs out, and bring people the little ants bring her stuff all day long, and they work much harder uh, throughout the day. And most of them, they don't rest that much either. They only sleep for sometimes. They take ten, ten minute snaps. They kind of nod out, and then they go. Okay, I got to work more for the queen. So people generally work. So there's a, a sense in human society also of a leader. And in uh, Vedic society, there were, uh, for the most part, pious kings until Kali Yuga got uh, going. And then people the leadership got degraded. And that's, that was the problem. It's a problem nowadays, too, we might have noticed. So Jichiketu was a good king, but he had a problem. And this is one of the main points that the acharyas make is kings have problems. So if kings have problems, you will too. Because people think, well, you know, live like a king. Actually, nowadays, everyone lives better than kings. Kings didn't have indoor plumbing. Not that that's the best thing in the world. But I noticed that in some places you turn one lever and hot water comes out. Kings didn't have that. They had to have somebody bring it to them. And how about AC? Did any of you have air conditioning in your car? Kings didn't have that. They didn't have air conditioning in their in their palaces, either. They had to have somebody stand there and fan them. Uh, we go down the list, but they didn't have a Cuisinart. They didn't have, what's the best blender called? Vitamix. Sorry, anybody, if I offended any better brands. they kings didn't have Vitamix. They had some, you know, crew chopping stuff up. And many of them didn't even have spices. That's one of the reasons people were looking for India. Like Columbus, like they wanted spices, which were more valuable than gold at that time. In any case, Chitraketu was a king, but he was unhappy. So that's a cue right there. He was an unhappy king. So you think you're a king, you control everything, you have all the money, so you should be happy, but he wasn't. Why wasn't he happy? Because there was something he wanted, and that's the problem. In the Sri Chaitanya Charlemrita, Kaviraj Goswami uh, distinguishes three classes of people. So he says that uh, there's Vaishnavs, there's those who want liberation, and then those who want to enjoy the material world. Three, three choices. So people who want to enjoy the material world are kind of like there was a comic strip in America called Charlie Brown or Peanuts. And in it there were these iconic figures. One was Charlie Brown and the other was Lucy. So Lucy used to tempt Charlie Brown to kick football. In American football, everybody, you hold the football and you try to kick it through the uprights. And then you score points. And Every time Charlie Brown would come running for the football, she would pull it out. And Charlie Brown would kick at it at nothing and then fall on his head. And uh, every time she'd tempt him, he'd say, oh, no, I remember last time. And then she'd say, no, no, this time's different. And then he'd go for it, and he would land on his head. And so this is what happens with material endeavor. Each time, it beckons to us and says, this time will be different. However. Every time we go for it, we whiff, which means you swing at the air. You don't hit anything, and <laughs> you've come falling on your head. So that's material, material enjoyment. And then liberation is also a kind of desire to get free from misery. And that doesn't w- work either because the Shrimad Bhagavatam explains our nature is ananna-mayo-byasat. It's not that we just want to be free from misery— We also want positive engagement. We want variety. Variety is the mother of enjoyment. But the material variety doesn't do it for us because it's temporary. It keeps changing. It's called bhava. Bhava means everything that you know right now is becoming something else. Everyone you're attached to is becoming someone else. Every item you've purchased on Amazon Prime is becoming something else. It's Through it's becoming, uh, what's that uh, physical law that everything degrades? Entropy. Who said that? Someone with a mask, with a really thick mask on. Must be you, (laughs) Harikish. Entropy falls apart. So uh, then that person, they're not happy either. They can't stay in a position of suspension from material variety. They have to come back at some point. But the devotees are happy because they only want to please Krishna. And this is the position of a a living entity in which they are happy, and that is uh, in service to Krishna. So Chichiketu was unhappy because he wanted something, and he wanted a son, but he couldn't get a son. So he tried and tried and tried, and there were mystics walking around at that time of the universe, who had great yogic powers. And when he met one of them, he said, and the mystic has said, how are you doing? He said, well, I'm a king, but I'm not happy. Mystic, what can I do for you? And he said, I need a son. Because kings want sons to pass on the kingdom to. And they have the sense that we're a dynasty. We have to keep the name going. This happens even in our non-kingly arenas as well and so the mystic said yeah we can do that he looked at his Apple watch and said you know it's possible but here's what's going to happen you're going to get a, a son I can arrange it but according to the your karma he's going to be the source of happiness and distress and King Ketru said well that's no big deal because everything's like that and you know Kids, they can be a little unruly or maybe not not uh, obey me. So yeah, I understand. It's not a big deal. So he accepted that for the sake of chasing his heartfelt desire that I want to have a son. So the mystic did some special process through which one of the king's wives, and at that time the king's had many wives, one of them could get pregnant and she did and had a child and then uh, as the child was uh, being nurtured as a little not even a toddler but just as a baby in the crib the other queens became envious because the king obviously now had more affection for the queen who had given birth than he did for all the other queens and they were overcome with envy so much so that they conspired and they poisoned the little baby. And when the queen, who was the mother, and the king found out about it, they were disconsolate. And the description of their grief in finding out that their heartfelt desire, which came in the form of a son, was now vanquished, put them in such a state that the king could not remain conscious. That's heavy suffering. That you come to awareness and then you think this is too painful and you just get knocked out because You just can't even deal with it Actually, I would argue that that's what most people contend with throughout their entire lives as the prospect of so much misery That they try to distract themselves in various ways, which is kind of like being unconscious anyway the unconsciousness of not facing reality and in fact, there's a psychologist who wrote a book about his theory that every human activity is a distraction from the ultimate destination, which is death. Sorry, everybody. I know you just, it's a morning show. We should be a little more bright and chipper, bright eyed and bushy tailed. But facing reality in in accounting is much better than just stuffing it and waiting till later till someone calls you and says, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, where's all that going? So this is, uh, the King's teachable moment. And in the lifetime of any uh, person, we may get an opportunity for a teachable moment. Normally I think I got this. I'll cover it because I have insurance. How many kinds of insurance are there? Well, at least 25, because that's where I stopped counting when I wrote an article about it, 25 different kinds of insurance. Oh, that'll cover it, no problem, we'll get around this one. And there are various ways in which I try to buffer myself from the various reversals of fortune in the world. However, when one comes to the raw experience that actually, I can't get out of this one. Gajendra had it. He was an elephant who got captured by a crocodile. He had been a king in his previous life, got cursed to become an elephant. And then in his next life, he got captured by a crocodile and then he fought for a hundred years and then realized I can't win. And then he thought, I can't get out of this. And that's when he had a teachable moment. So Chitraketu had his teachable moment. Normally everyone thinks, I already know that. I understand it. I'm going to get out of it. There's some other way. But when we come to the point of saying there's no way out of this, we have an existential crisis and we realize how helpless we are. So that's what happened to Ketu. And at that time, the, the mystic who had granted him a, a son through his mystic power came back with a friend uh, because is, they needed now to give some solace to the king. They knew what was going to happen, and the king, of course, insisted anyway, even though they, they warned him, or he he warned him. But then two sages came back to console the king. And what is the on, only consul, consolation? Consolation. At a time like that, the only solace, and that is to hear Atma to to have a somebody tell you, you know, first of all, you're not the supreme controller so that you just have to tolerate these things and also you're not your body. So ultimately you're not involved. This is something going on that's superfluous to you. That's music to the ears of somebody who's suffering and who, who has an open ear. So Chitra Ketu had an open ear at that time and the two sages came back and gave Atmatat And Chitraketu took it. He took it wholeheartedly. So, this is the secret to spiritual advancement. If I dabble and I think, well, I'll keep, a little, I'll keep 80% in the material world, 20% into spiritual practice. No, 50 50. No, 60 40. No, 70 30. How about 98 and 2%? 2% for the material world, 98% for spiritual life. What do you think? It's still a crack, a little crack turns into a bigger crack, but if you're 100% in, and you say 100% no more optimism that the material world's gonna work out for me, I'll be dutiful, I'll be methodical, I'll be affectionate towards all in my relationships, but I have a higher perspective, and that is this life is meant for advancing spiritually. There is no other track for me, even as one is expert in dealing with the material world simultaneously when that resolve comes into the heart, and it did for Chitra Ketu, then there's no stopping anyone. There is no obstacle when one's inner resolve has reached 100%. 98%, there's a crack. And you know what? And this is a revelation. I think you'll appreciate. I know I do. And that is, it's easier at 100% than it is at 98 Because when that 2% is on the side, and I know it's hidden somewhere, and I have to... uh, maintain it, then I'm always of two minds. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, it gives this formula. Ekeha he says, for those who are 100 percenters, who wants to be in the 100% club? then five, five, six, six, seven, seven, Okay. For those who are in the 100% club, he said, no problem. Your mind is fixed and steady. For those who are at 98%, then he says bahu shaka hinantascha which means chase two rabbits, catch neither of them. So if you're going after two things you're not going to catch either. And therefore one has to come to this point of 100%. I've decided that I am a spirit soul, I don't want anything to do with the material world, although I'll be expert in it and I'll be affectionate towards those whom I'm related with. I won't be artificially uh, cold or antisocial. Nonetheless, inside I'll nurture this 100%. And this is the greatest wealth of any living entity, to come to 100%. And join the 100% Club and you can sign up. Our lines are open 24 hours a day at 1-800- <laughs> surrender now <laughs> you send a little form you can check off the box i'm in the 100% club and it's like you can you can then relate to others who are in the 100% club and then you don't have any problem really because externally anything may happen but then you have this oasis within yourself where you say that's all right because i'm already in the 100% club and there's no stake in it for me here in the material world. I'm just passing through and doing the best I can with what I have here in this material world. That happened to Chitraketu. Then Chitraketu was fully open for the instruction of the sages, and they told him about his relationship with the spiritual world and with the the Supreme, who's a person, and otherwise how are you going to have a relationship? And then they gave him the means. So the first thing was some sambandagyan or information about you do have a relationship with in another place. And then the second part is called abhideya, which means knowledge of how to get there, how to enact the relationship. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says in a general way, Narupa Narupamasyha Tatopa labhyate Nanto Nachhadir Nachasampratishtha Ashvatameenam Savrudamulam Asanga Shastrena Jretaina Chitva Tatakpadam Tat Parimargita Vyam Yasmingata na Nirvatanti Buya Tameva Chadyam purusham Padya Yatak pravriti Prashita Purani. Which means that you're really wrapped up in the material world and the material world is called Vriksha. In Sanskrit vriksha means tree and it also means that which will soon be cut down. And he says learn how to cut the tree yourself by asanga by non-identification with your material body or with anything in relationship with your body including your hometown. Oh. <laughs> And he said, once you've cut down the tree yourself, now you're free to go. Free to move about the cosmos. And you can go on the pathway. You're now eligible to follow the pathway that goes all the way back to the spiritual world. Pari means you can go on a journey now because you're no longer encumbered by your attachment to the material world. Sangha Shastrana Tatakpadam Tat. So Tat means that. Om Tat viṣṇu paramam haram sada pāśanti Surayo dviva cakṣat tamta vipraso vipanyavo jaghurva mumsaha siminda te paramam padam Those who have disassociated themselves with the idea that I'm the material body, I belong in the material world, now they're here, they're walking around, but they're aiming this way, toward tat. Tat means that which is reality. It's a demonstrative pronoun, like it's actually the same word in English, that. You can point to somebody, something, or someone, and say, or something, and say, that. That drum is there. And that's the same as tut. So, om tut, Vishnu paramam param, means that that's where I'm going. I'm on this journey going back home, back to Godhead. So, uh, Chitraketu took instruction and. The process for reestablishing his relationship with the Supreme, and in this case, his deity, worshipable deity, was Sankarsana Balaram. And his guru gave him a mantra. So, this is uh, a stage at which one comes to the determination that I'm going to dedicate myself to spiritual practice. Then Krishna will reveal a guru. And one of the gurus is someone who will give instruction and say, it's that. It's not this. And then uh, that guru or another guru will give you uh, a mantra. A mantra is called Divyam Gyanam, which means it's a little package, sound package, that has all you need to reestablish your relationship with, with the supreme deity and also to go there. It's all all contained in this neat little package. And the Diksha Guru, well, Diksha means divyam gyanam. You're giving something and you're taking something away. You're taking away the past obligations to the material world and you're giving uh, divyam gyanam or spiritual knowledge through which you can reach the destination. So Chitra Ketu got that and he started to chant his mantra and he was successful within a very short amount of time. Was it one week? One week. One week's time, he attained complete perfection, and it's called Mantra City. Is she here? Mantra city is here somewhere. So Mantra Siddhi, she, she, he attained Mantra city, which then, that, so does it take, how long does it, there's Mantra city? Say Haribo. So, how long does it take to achieve Mantra city? Well, that depends. Depends on one's I'm on this journey going back over back to Ghana. So, it's an example of what I was talking about. So, he attained perfection very quickly because of his dedication to the mantra. This shows how powerful the process is when we're fully invested in it. So, Ketu then attained his own state of perfection in the same body as a king, And he was biding his time here in the material world. He's actually flying around in a celestial airplane with a bunch of singers from the higher planetary systems. That's what you do when you're biding your time. Fly in an airplane and have a bunch of celestial singers. And he happened to come across the place where Lord Shiva was sitting with Parvati. And there were sages sitting around them. And Parvati was sitting on lord shiva's lap and chitra ketu just thought it was a kind of humorous situation here's shiva who's so renounced that he doesn't wear clothes he's not into the latest style have you ever been bothered by this the latest style it's like how come i don't have that and he didn't have that problem he didn't he just wore ashes from the crematorium to remind himself that oh this will be my clothes to remind me that this material world's temporary so And he's always like that. He's a powerful controller. But at this particular event, Parvati was sitting on his lap. And there were other sages around. And Shiva was holding forth and speaking about spiritual knowledge. And Chitraketu, from the vantage of his airplane, said, ha ha. (laughs) He just laughed a little bit. And Parvati, the wife of Lord Shiva, uh, took uh, umbrance at that. And she became... uh, a little indignant and said hey, who do you think you are this is shiva who are you and she made a curse at Chitraketu and said so if you're going to be like that then you should be you should fall from your position and become a, a demon and after he uttered the curse shiva said wait what what did you just do that's that's a, a pure devotee that you just talked to and Chitraketu Ketu got off his airplane. He got on his knee and folded palm before Parvati and said, I accept your curse. And then Lord Shiva said, Narayana Kutashchana bibyati swarga pavarga narakeshu apituliyarti darshana said, just see Parvati and everybody else. This is the nature of a Vaishnav. A Vaishnav doesn't care heaven, hell. This is this word, narayanak paraksarve. If somebody is uh, fully invested internally, 100% club. And nakutashchanabibhiti. There's no more fear for such a person. Because the only fear we have is the fear of losing that which we think we have. And we don't have anything. Swarga uh, <clears throat> means heaven. Pavarga narakeshu. Naraka means hell. So the universe has got higher planets, lower planets. And Lord Shiva said, for a Vaishnav, it doesn't matter if he's in heaven or hell. He could be at San Francisco State or Stanford. Doesn't care. Either way. It's it's equal. Tuliarta means... Uh, <laughs> that one didn't go over too well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I went to San Francisco State, so it's okay. It's it's Tulia. It's equal in any situation because... They have no motive uh, to get something from heaven or avoid hell. It's it's all service to the Vaishnava. Apitulya to Equal to such a person. So it was an example, and and Shiva was pointing it out to Parvati and said, I think you made a mistake here. You got a little uh, agitated for no reason. Nonetheless, Chitraketu accepted the curse, and he became, in his next life, a huge, Pardon? he became a vritrasura who as i mentioned is a famous demon he was so big and powerful everyone was was afraid of him however there was a a, a slight mistake in the creation of this demon he came uh, from a a, a yajna in which the father of twashta had wanted to um, he had wanted to, uh, to get revenge on Indra because Indra killed his son. This is, It gets a little complicated. I won't go into all that detail, or maybe I will. But in any case, Twashta did this yajna. And yajna means, it's a very interesting process. Yajna actually is a scientific way. You create a channel that uh, pulls energy from the, universe or from higher planetary systems. We have experience with here with, we'd have to ask Sri Kumar Prabhu, he's an expert in uh, satellite technology, and there's radar and things like that. We have subtle laws through technology, even cell phones, uh, that have to be perfectly configured, all you know all about this, in order to capture certain kinds of information and and transpond it outwardly. The fire yagya was the technology of that time through which, with a geometrically perfect configuration, and then the, the mantras, which are subtle forms. They're like software that run the whole thing. And then there's this connection that one makes and, and pulls down uh, the higher power, powers of the universe and connects with the devas, who, who are the overseers of these various powers of the universe. He was able to, through his mantra, create this demon. Only he made a mistake in the coding. You can relate, right? Made a little mistake. Yeah, actually, we had a Silicon Valley entrepreneur uh, tell us about... uh, He was one of the original pioneers of RAM. Is it RAM? R-A-M? And and he was showing how in some of the original drawings... He had some of the original drawings and how they were off by a, a... very small fraction and therefore they were leaking information. And so he's saying they have to be perfect and so forth. So also in the utterance of mantras at that time, one had to be precise and uh, Twashta, or the priest who did it for Twashta, had uttered a mantra uh, not precisely, which sounds funny, but he had done it errantly and therefore he didn't get a demon, the demon that he wanted. He got a demon of whom Indra was the enemy instead of the demon being the enemy of Indra because he reversed one syllable So the demon came out and then was on a mission to kill Indra So Now the demigods or the Davis Had a conundrum and that was there was a huge demon hanging around who wanted to kill their leader So they went to Vishnu to find out how to counteract this. And he told them about a sage named Dadancha or Dadichi. Dadichi or Muni, who was such a powerful sage, he had already achieved complete self-realization, so much so that he didn't identify with his body. And furthermore, he had fortified himself not just uh, his consciousness, but his entire body was fortified with a mantra called the na- Narayana Kavacha. So it's a mantra through which you put on a protective armor, and it penetrates your whole body. So you become impervious to the, to the material nature. And what Vishnu said was that if you go to him, you can ask him for a little donation. So you can try this door to door. What's the donation? They needed his body to make a weapon. And Vishnu said, don't worry, he's self-realized, so he'll hand it over. But he may uh, entertain you a little bit ahead of, uh, before he gives the donation. So you could try going door to door and say, well, how much do you want? Say, so well, Didici Muni, he gave his body. <laughs> so you give whatever you like. <laughs> Anything after that is substandard, sir. Uh, <laughs> So they asked to the demigods, Didici Muni, uh, we have this mission. Didichi already knew. And he said, I know. I know what's going on here. And he said, yeah, but don't you know that it's really hard when you ask people for big donations like that? Because don't you know that when you give up your body, it's very painful? And they said, yeah, we know all that. But yeah. And Didi said, that's all right. I was just asking to see if you're aware of it. And I'm happy to donate my body. And he says, does Didici, that actually every human being should realize that you're here temporarily and your body can be repossessed at any time. They don't even have to tell you. They just have to have a little warrant and they come and hook on a tow truck and tow it away. We're in a a tow zone right now. Did you know that? And anytime somebody can pull up It's the most unceremonious thing that can actually happen. In fact, I once had my car towed in San Francisco, and you can ask my wife for verification, but I didn't go back to San Francisco for several years because I was so miffed because the sign was ambiguous. And I had to go down and get my car, and it's called insult to injury. Not only that it was inconvenienced for the rest of the day, but then they wanted some exorbitant amount for dragging my car backwards and putting it in, in an impound. So if you think that's bad, wait till you get the, the tow truck that comes and says we're taking the body back." So this is what what um, Didiichi said. He said, I, "It's already going to be towed away. So the best thing to do is use your body, give it a, as an offering to Vishnu. Do the best thing. Use your whole body. Be in the 100 percent club, and use all your resources for Vishnu. Don't leave two percent on the table. It'll mess you up one way or another. You have to come back for it. If you're being chased by a tiger across the river and you're carrying some gold with you, you chuck it and try to swim as fast as you can. Otherwise, you'll drown. So that's what Didici did. And the demigods, through one of their high-tech engineers, took the body, the bones, and turned it into a thunderbolt weapon that Indra had, through which he could kill the big demon for Trasura. However, there was a problem because Indra had low self-esteem. <laughs> Everyone please say Gauranga. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Krishna. This is the numbers of people watching, and there's a lot. Thank you for tuning in. Let's please thank our viewing audience from around the world. So Indra was in a position now that it was his duty to lead the devas, the demigods, into a battle with Virtrasura, who is formidable, so much so that he could open his mouth and s- swallow huge numbers of soldiers. He was, his body seemed to be impenetrable, and it was. So there was a way in which only Indra could kill him, but he wasn't fully confident, Indra, that he could do it because he had thrown one of his weapons, a club, to hit Vritrasura, and it was about as effective as throwing a flower garland at an elephant. (laughs) And not only that, Virtrasura took the club and threw it back, like flung it. Like insignificantly, but it came back so fast it hit Indra's elephant Airavata and knocked him back 14 yards and also injured his jaw. So Indra now felt that maybe I'm not strong enough to do this. But it was Vrtrasura. Now remember, he's got a, a demon body, but he's Chitraketu from his previous life and he's actually a Vaishnav this carries forward. Krishna talks about it in the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. He says that if you make advancement in devotional service in this life, but you don't make far enough, you get forward progress. You'll take a rebirth in a place where you'll be reminded at a certain point of all the progress you made in your last life. You might come out of the womb, and the parents are standing there going, Hare Krishna, your name's Gopal. And you know, you just like you're born with a pair of cartels in your hand or this the whole sound, transcendental sound vibration. That's an indication, Krishna says, that you've done this before and now you're taking it up again in the next life. And so Vritrasara, although he was apparently a demon, in his heart he was a fully dedicated, 100% devotee. So this is the topsy-turvy... Nature of this world and the Shrimad Bhagavatam is the first to point it out. It begins, does the Shrimad Bhagavatam, with the statement "Dharma prachita kaitavotra nirmat Saranam satam." This book goes right to the truth, and the truth is that what's important in life, Samparo Dharmo, yato bhakti kya yatma is this essential ingredient, which is the hundred percent dedication to serving Krishna. And if you have that, then you've got everything. It doesn't matter what your body is. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. And this is the perfect example, and that is Ritrasura. He was apparently the worst thing that ever happened to the world. He was an ugly demon. Apparently, externally, he, he was um, horrendous. Nonetheless, in his heart, he held this sense of pure devotional service. And therefore, when Indra withheld his thunderbolt, it was Vritrasura who protested and said, no, you should throw it. And you should try to kill me. Because number one, he knew that being killed by the weapon that had been suggested by Vishnu would immediately liberate him and take him back to the spiritual world. And therefore, he didn't care about winning or losing in the material world. And this is much to the point. Those who are dedicated to the the order of the Supreme uh, don't mind what the reversals of fortune apparently are, the apparent for, the reversals of fortune are here in this world. And therefore they just dedicate themselves to the order of the Supreme. And that's what vṛtrasura did. And he had to encourage Indra to kill him, which he finally did through, it, through the power of the thunderbolt weapon. And we can take this instruction of the instructions from this story one of them is about teachable moments and taking advantage of them and another is the dedication to the the particular spiritual practice that's given to us through our guru and when we're dedicated to that we'll make rapid advancement or i should say the more dedicated we are the more rapid advancement we'll make and finally, is we should always look for the essence in ourselves and in others, which is, where is that sentiment of, of pure dedication to the Supreme? Om Tat Sat. Thank you very much. And now we'll take some reflections or questions. Yes, Prabhu.
2: Maras, um, thank you very much, Maras. Uh, very beautiful story. I think you are alluding to it earlier, about uh, uh, first time I heard the story from Srimad Bhagavatam, it was uh, very uh, enlightening uh, because Krishna teaching through a demon who who is Harandas uh, pure devotion is quite amazing. Whereas on the other hand, from Vedas, we only hear negative things about Ritrasara, which, which is uh, quite interesting. Uh, Maharaj, one question I have is this 100% club when we come here, sit here in Bhagavatam class, we feel like, yes, I want to sign up. But somehow, uh, as the modes weave into our lives and as the week progresses, uh, we slowly go into 50% club and eventually maybe to 2% club. Um, so, uh, any comments, suggestions on how we can avoid and help ourselves?
0: Well, Krishna says in the Srimad Bhagavatam that we may. Even as we approach this feeling of 100%, we, we may be in contention with our, the momentum of our previous activities. So in the verse, he says, Jatashada Makkatasu. Maybe you could put it up Jatashada Makkatasu Nirvana Sarvakarmasu Veda Dukat Penishvara, which means that uh, even after this sense of faith in the process has awakened and even after one has this sense that uh, sense gratification and, and my involvement in the material world in an optimistic way for for getting some permanent resonance is a cause of suffering. I still may not be able to give it up because I don't have the power yet. Ishvara means the controller. It also means the power to do something. So I may not have that, the wherewithal to do it. So then he says, from this stage, you should just keep going because gradually the two aspects of our life will, uh, one will outweigh the other. In the beginning, there... Uh, like on a pan scale, one is outweighing the other and it moves back and forth. In fact, this is exactly the commentary that Vinod Thakur gives on the verse, so, um, No, no, there's a vyavasito hisa, And that is that someone may be a sadhu, and that is they have that sense of 100%, but still somehow or other. They're being influenced by the other part of their life. Which is that I've had association with the material modes of nature. And I'm, I'm getting pressure. I'm getting phone calls, texts. They're coming in from my other life. And he says that in the beginning, these, the, the, the sense of pure devotion may be outweighed by the sense of my optimism for the material world. And he says, this is what it means, sudaracharo. May have a, 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 get overwhelmed from time to time with a sense of worldliness. He says, but as one goes on practicing devotional service, and this is exactly what Krishna says in the verse, uh, after apicet sudaracharo, he, he says, shri prampavati dharmatma shashvash chantim Nagachati, konteya pratijanihi nami bhakti pranashati that don't worry if you keep going. As you keep going, you're gonna to come to the perfectional stage. And that's what he's saying in this verse also. He may regret it a little bit that you're not fully there yet. He said, but just keep going because you're very dear to me because you're practicing. And soon all that will come into balance. And I think that even devotees, when they do have this sense of being overwhelmed by the material world, they have uh, still in the core of their hearts the ideal that it should be at 100%. And Prabhupada once said in a letter, the desire for pure devotional service is synonymous with pure devotional service. And Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, mixed devotional service also has an element of pure devotional service. Because what's it mixed with? So we... We should always be looking for that. In fact, one of the games you can play when you chant Japa is try to find that, try to identify that where that hundred percent molecule is, and find it, and just you know, breathe into it, give it oxygen, give it blood, because that's the, that's everything for the soul. Is that sense that I'm a hundred percent dedicated to Krishna, and if you can if you can keep practicing for it, then Krishna will give you the wherewithal. And sometimes, as Prabhupada said, failure may be the pillar to success. Because oftentimes, when we fail in our attempt to maintain devotional service at a certain level that we want it to be at, then we get to see the world from a different angle. Partly, there's a way, and I was talking a lot to Sachinandan Maharaj about this, that we, even in the practice of devotional service, may maintain some sense of false identity like we try to present ourselves to others in a particular way and that's a lot of work but when we're very uh, vulnerable and real and we're able to just be ourselves and sincere be who we are then there's a kind of power in that and admitting one's faults and then Get, I'll just put it like this: admitting one's faults gives one the wherewithal to overcome them eventually. Okay, Pavani Bhakti.
3: Hari Krishna Guru Maharaj, thank you for this uh, story. It was really nice. Uh, I really could um, really loved the point of the give your everything 100% and uh, it's just like it's like the full surrender because uh, krishna is our only maintainer we are not doing anything ourselves anyways uh, so what is um, what is stopping us from doing giving him everything that we think it's ours it's actually his and uh, i it also reminded me that uh, if we just cannot do it how are these stories helping us because how the saints have done it how Prabhupada has explained how, in this case, Vrata did it. It's so important to stay connected with our scriptures and keep reading them and reminding us of these examples. Uh, so, uh, thank you for reading this story today and uh, sharing it in so much detail. And uh, I just want to also share with you that Dr. Alan from Bhakti community is here today. I've been I like, saw so Alan. impressed. Yeah.
0: Hey, Alan. So, please. Yeah. Great to see you, as usual. Thank you for being here. It was a
4: pleasure and a, and a privilege, Maharaj. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you.
1: Hare
0: Krishna. Dr. Al is dedicated to a pure lifestyle. And he comes to all the bhakti community classes, front and center with powerful realizations and an enthusiastic attitude. And it's, it's heartfelt to have you here in the class. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Krishna, and <laughs> is that what kind of tree are you, Do you have there?
4: It's a, a very wise tree <laughs> <laughs> and very blessed. We meditate and practice a lot of yoga. It's a. I couldn't tell you the type, but it's uh, provides beautiful shade in the summertime, and then will lose its leaves around. Uh, January and then it, it 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 for a while has these little uh, pockets of pollen and for a while it just it'll just drop pollen for maybe two weeks out of the year uh, with its seeds uh, and then the leaves come back and it provides so many blessings and so yeah a beautiful tree that that we have back here um, and I'd like to say uh, also beautiful beautiful point uh, Maharaj with the sense of being overwhelmed, you know, uh, very applicable for one that's wanting to follow uh, just a pure lifestyle and dedicate himself to the divine like myself, you know, managing a practice really in the world. And so it's just a beautiful reminder this morning and very, very close to home for myself, getting ready for a big trip and dealing with a lot of things to remember, hey, it's not up to us. We're not, I'm not the controller. There's this the supreme force that's guiding, and I just get to dedicate myself to that, and 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 you know keep doing my best, and let go of that sense of I need to do it all. And I feel like that was very freeing. Uh, just yeah, almost it brought tears to my eyes because I caught myself in that humanity uh, recently. So just thank you so much. For
0: that. Sadhu, Sadhu. Yeah, Alan, it's so much in the Bhagavad Gita, isn't it? Uh, Krishna's instructions about how to work in the world but not be contaminated by it. And when we come to the essence of his teaching, we find that it's really about our intention. Like the verse, Brahmanya Daya Karmani Sangam tyakva Karotiya, Lipitena sapapena Padma Patram Ivambasak. Krishna says you can live in the world and not be contaminated by it, just as a lotus can live in the water but not be touched by the water, if you have the right internal uh, motive. And that is Brahman Yadaya Karma sangam Chakva Kurotiya, that you don't uh, claim proprietorship over the results of your activities. And as you were just so aptly saying, that It's a dedication, and you realize there's a higher power, I have a higher purpose. And even as you do work expertly in the world, as is necessary to maintain the body and relationships and so forth, one who maintains that internal motivation, that uh, that person's never actually touched by the material energy because that's where we touch it with our intention that, oh, that's mine, I want that. I was thinking the other day about this idea of mamaka. It's what starts the Bhagavad Gita. Why is the war taking place? It's because Dhritarashtra, the blind king, says, this is my stuff. These are my people. And that starts the whole problem. I claim ownership. I want to control it. And once I have that, a tinge of that, then I have a problem. I have a great burden on my head. But what's the solution? We can't renounce the material world because it's not ours in the first place to renounce, but we can dedicate it all to Krishna and say it's for service, as you're saying. Alan, um, thank you very much. Have a nice trip. Where are you going? If I might ask. You know,
4: we're, we're going up the coast of California uh, over to San Diego and then uh, right through your, your guys' neighborhood and going to be you know, receiving the transcendental, uh, vibrations and Krishna willing may, may even meet up and get to meet uh, some of this beautiful family that I've experienced. Yeah. Krishna.
0: We'll we'll keep, we'll keep the lights on.
4: Please, please do. We'll be, so. please do stop
0: by. And if you're passing through and you're in a hurry, we can arrange for somebody to make some to go containers for you. So if you just, Pull off the one-on-one and a rest stop will just deliver it and you can keep going. As Put the you window wish. down and, and we'll, we'll... Yeah, really. It. I'm serious, though. There's a lot of expert cooks here. And the, according to whatever your diet is, we can make something and, and give Uh-oh. it to you as you're traveling. It would so, be a huge blessing. So maybe Pavani Bhakti can follow up on that and we'll see what we can do. Not see Thank what we you. can do. We'll, we will do.
4: Oh, that's a blessing. Thank thank you, Maharaja. Krishna's wife has already blessed us with some ladus uh, for the first time. Oh, yeah. Same day, shipped them, and it's been such a blessing. So, thank thank you.
0: Yeah, that used to be one of my services eating ladus. (laughs) I've retired, but when I was younger and I could eat more than anybody I knew, uh, I was traveling with a sannyasi when I was a brahmachari, and we were going to various Indian homes. And they wanted us to eat. That was the main thing that we had to do. And my sannyasi leader couldn't eat. He was, he was very restricted. So he said, here's my designated eater. <laughs> and they were telling me, were the, th- these uh, pious people, that Brahmins were judged by how many ladus they could eat. You know, are you a seven ladu Brahmin? Or are you a 10 ladu Brahmin? And I was more like a 15, 20. <laughs> But let me repeat, I'm retired from that. So. <laughs> okay, let's say we have one or two more points. Yes, Prabhu.
2: Hare Krishna. Thank you, Maharaj. Such a beautiful lecture it was. Thank you. Um, uh, one reflection that I have is uh, this point. It was a very powerful point you made the fr- Based on your experience in SF, uh, uh, that in this material world we are also in a tow zone. Any time the body could be towed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can be towed, or ones that we're attached to can be towed, and that's that's the reality of it, right? Yeah.
2: Thank you, Maharaj. Uh, one uh, question I had—I uh, uh, don't know the exact reference, but. Uh, somewhere I came across this uh, statement that Bhagavatam is often glorified as the book with Vritrasura story. Uh, could you please elaborate on that? Why is it glorified like that?
0: Well, first, it would be nice to see the verse. I, it sounds familiar, but I couldn't point to a particular verse. Do you have it, Srivas? It, it's, it's sometimes referred to as the book that uh, glorifies Vritrasura. Well, one thing is what Prabhu already uh, referenced. Um, and that is, Sham Jagannath Prabhu had said that, that there's a there's a way in which, and Radhika Raman Prabhu mentioned this in his talk when he was here. And he talked about the Srimad Bhagavatam. That's in the original, I guess it's the Rig Veda, where Vritrasura appears. He's a, a horrible demon, and that's it. And Indra's the king of heaven, and therefore there's... That's the dichotomy. There's the good guys and the bad guys. And Indra's the good guy. He's a deva. And Vritcha Sura is a really like the worst guy ever. However, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, everything gets viewed through the lens of savaipum Dharmo. Where is there haituki, unmotivated and uninterrupted bhakti? And if it, wherever it shows up, that's where it's glorified. And therefore, Vritrasura in the Srimad Bhagavatam is juxtaposed with Indra. And now Indra becomes actually the, the bad guy. And Vritrasura is the good guy. Why? Because Vritrasura has pure devotion. And Indra, although he's a devotee, he's still attached to his position in the material world. And that's one of the ways that the Srimad Bhagavatam points out the most important aspect of our lives, which is pure devotion. Prabhu. Shrivas pande Prabhu.
2: And also in the Rig Vedas, it's mentioned in the sections where the offer to Indra is mentioned. So to glorify Indra as a killer of Ritrasura and to give a better um, awe and reverence to those who want to worship Indra, in that light it is given. It's like a rigged match, and, and I won it, but to my, to my followers, I am the hero
0: of that match kind of thing. In the Rig Veda? In the Rig Veda. I see. Thank you, Prabhu. Uh, we have Vaikuntha Nayaka coming to us from Vendapunam Mysore. Pranam Hare Krishna, how are things in Mysore?
5: Yeah, it could be better if you come down
0: here. <laughs> <for a second. laughs> <laughs> We're well, always thinking about it. We, we miss you and the whole family, and also being with you in Mysore. So we hope we can come back soon.
5: Jai Maharaj. Uh, uh, very quickly, I just wanted to extend that thought of uh, uh, the, where you c- contrasted the presentation of Ritrasura in the Vedas uh, as opposed to how he is presented in the Srimad Bhagavatam. I think if I remember uh, Radhika Raman Prabhu's uh, seminar, he was Just extending the thought that how Srimad Bhagavatam is a, a story, compilation of stories of different rebels, if you can say so, like actually, as per the Vedic culture, a son is supposed to hear, obey his father. But then uh, we have Prahlad Maharaj who is opposing his uh, father in Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, the wife is supposed to listen to the husband, but we have the story of the wives of the Yagnik Brahmins who are actually uh, who are actually telling that uh, how they are actually more exalted. And uh, he gave another example. I think the disciple is supposed to listen to the. Uh, spiritual master, but then we have Bali Maharaj oh, nice. uh, rejecting uh, uh, sh- uh, Shukracharya, right? And uh, so I just thought I'll add this. and So how Srimad Bhagavatam is special, that uh, and, uh, so demon, it's a story of rebels. So, yeah. Uh, just yeah. That I wanted
0: to add. Very well done. That really added a lot of, of um, dimension to it. Thank you. Vaikantanayaka. <laughs> That's all, Vaikantanayaka. When I think just a little pitter-patter. Okay, now let's just have a brief summary of what, oh yes, please.
6: Um, thank you, Maharaji. Um I just wanted to ask, um, initially, you when you started uh, uh, s- telling us about the story, before that you talked about uh, how um, our association play a huge part in how we grow. And you gave an example of somebody being liberal and then being associated with fanatics. they tend to start leaning towards that thought process. And I was thinking that there are certain associations that are more easily impressionable or it's easy for example, it's e- it's easier to make somebody, more of a fanatic than reversal of it. So why is it that there are certain impression, associations that are more more impressionable than others?
0: Well, this uh, this is a topic that comes up in the seventh canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam at the very beginning. Because Pariksit Maharaj asked the question of Shukadeva Goswami as guru, how, how is it that uh, God is partial, uh, impartial, uh, because He says it seems like the the devas get you know better responses from Him than the demons do. So how is He being impartial? And uh, the answer relates to to the to the answer to your question, or is the answer to your question, and that is that Shukadev Goswami says. Uh, yeah, God's impartial, but think of a classroom. If a student in a classroom applies themselves uh, more and is more attentive, then they get more out of it, out of the teacher. And if some students are not attentive and they're absent much of the time and they have a bad attitude, then they, they're, not available, they're not able to take advantage and so he makes this general point that we take in uh, our association based on the modality that we've already established within ourselves. So Prabhupada mentions how the modes of nature, we speak of this very you know, freely, or I should say frequently, but what are they? They're, they're these powerful forces, uh, goodness, passion, and ignorance. And they accumulate, Prabhupada says, within the heart. And because of the combinations and permutations of those modes within our heart, the aggregate dip, uh, is uh, impels us to react to our environment in a certain way. In fact, we're attracted to certain things because of the state of our heart, and we're repelled by certain things because of the state of our heart. And if somebody's in the mode of ignorance, or they have that propensity in their heart, they're attracted to people who are in the mode of ignorance. So it's, it's always the same uh, conundrum, and that is that what is the state of my heart compared to uh, what of... Well, it's not a conundrum, but I, sh- I should say it's the same phenomenon. We're taking in uh, what attracts us, mostly. So most people, because they're affected by the lower modes of nature, because that's what's available nowadays, they're prone to Be attracted to those things that are passionate and ignorant and not so much goodness. And uh, it's also, uh, you may have noticed that it's easier to uh, get in shape than it is to stay in shape, like uh, physically. Like once you have a routine and you're psychologically ready to perform the austerity of being healthy and exercise and things like that, it's easier to stay that way unless if you let yourself go and then you have to come make a comeback, it's a lot harder. Yes or yes? Yes. Thank you. So then, in a s- similar way, once one falls into the lower modes of material nature, it's, it's harder to make a comeback. And therefore, people s- seem to tend to get stuck in those lower modes of nature. And they're, they're, they're kind of hard to come out of. You know. And there's a reason for that. If it was really easy to overcome the stickiness, get unstuck, then we wouldn't learn the lesson so heavily. You ever noticed it seems as if I touched something in the material world that I shouldn't have. And then it's inordinate how long it hangs around the result of that hangs around. Has anybody ever noticed that? Yes. Like you just, it was only all I did at one time. It's like, yeah, but it, now you have to go to jail <laughs> for a, a long time. And this is a classroom and there's certain things you touch and then you get burned by them. So why, how does that relate to your point? Well, just that, you know, it's, it takes a while to get out of jail and you have to do your time and, and get purified. Of course, you can subvert that process by surrendering to Krishna and getting the association of pure Vaishnavs. Because once you have powerful, good association, you can make rapid advancement. Look at Megrari the hunter who thought that it was a great idea to half kill animals. He actually thought that was a good idea because he learned it from his father. That's where their family was at. And when he met Narada Muni, he was so impressed with this, uh, with this, with um, with the purity of Narada Muni that very quickly he came to question his own livelihood, did the hunter, and also to give it up and then take up the process of devotional service. So with the help of pure devotees we can advance. Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Lava Matra, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Siddhihoi. Which means that if you can get one fourteenth of a second association with a pure devotee, then you can transform yourself. Om Tat Sat. Now we just need a really quick summary of what's happened this morning. What did we do? What did we win? Not just the class, but anything. What bhajans did we sing? What did we do? Just give a quick summary.
1: This morning we started off with um, Make Japa Great Again. And then we went to um, Arthi to greet the deities And we sang um, Gurudev Kripa Kru, yeah. Um And then we sang Ohe Vaishnava Thakur, Ujvala Varna. And... Um, Vibhavari <laughs> Shesha and Jagannath Ashtukam. And then we also recited the seventh chapter, eighth, eighth chapter of the... Oh, and Upadesha And the eighth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And then we had class.
0: Pretty lackluster morning program, right? <laughs> I don't think we crammed enough in yet. All right, thank you very much. Good summary. Howdy do Okay, now... We're going to perform a process of worship of the Founder Acharya, we call Guru Puja. So we offer these prayers to our Founder Acharya, and this is one of the main ways, as mentioned in the Shastra, if you find your ideal practitioner, a guru, and then you offer your service and your worship, then you'll advance in devotional service. So that's why we're going to do this next. And we can put all the seats away, and we'll meet back in four and a half minutes. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.